Good morning, everyone. I'm kind of sad today. It's the last day. But you know what? It's also the first day going down this hill. And there's a lot of people down this hill. There's a lot of people looking for God, and they don't even know it. And they're waiting to see evidence. There are people in this world waiting to see evidence of God's love and mercy. And guess who's that evidence? <laughs> All of us. Amen? Amen? What a privilege and honor it is to be a representative for God. Regardless where you are, where you've been, what you've done, or even what you are doing, regardless, God has a purpose in your life. So before I um, begin and before I cause any more confusion and before we have two devotionals, <laughs> let us all bow our heads in prayer, please. Dear Father in heaven, Lord, thank you. Thank you so much for all who you are just simply for who you are, Lord. Thank you for bringing us here this morning, for waking us up, giving us alert minds and open hearts. I just pray, Lord, that you lift us up into thy presence today. Father, keep me hid in Christ. May it be your voice heard. May it be your words, Lord, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. I have a couple of clarifications from yesterday morning because uh, people were asking questions yesterday, one, in, two, in regards to my daughter and how that came about that I had to surrender her. Um, my daughter came to me and she told me, Mama, I'm having a hard time going back and forth. And I feel like I'm missing out on my brother's life. And I felt the Lord's hand on both of us. And the Lord led that way. So as I had shared yesterday, that's why I have her one weekend a month and a month in the summer and um, every other major holiday. Um, so people were asking, um, how that came about. So my daughter asked. Um, and I have another clarification as far as temptation. I got into a discussion with a couple of brothers. And um, <laughs> you see, temptation, I from how I've studied God's word and what I understand, temptation is reflective of only something that needs to die in you. We've given the enemy way too much power. Um, and the sa Satan will always try to tempt us. And some people ask, is temptation a sin? 
It may not be a sin, but it is sinful. Um, and it's not that you are committing a sin just because you're tempted and that you recognize the temptation. So I just wanted to clear that up. But temptation is something reflective that needs to die in you, die in all of us. Sometimes the enemy can tempt us in our dreams. And we just rise in the morning and we ask God to search our hearts. Amen? Has anyone here, have, have you, has anyone had a panic attack? Panic attack. Anxiety attack. And you feel like you're going to die. And you get this big lump in your throat. Well, I never had one before. And it was about maybe three years after I've already been in ministry. And I was a uh, volunteer Bible worker for a church. And we were having our camp, yearly camp out. We were at Lake Tahoe. We were housed in this huge, huge house. It basically housed everyone that participated in, in the camp out that year. And um, snow all around, lots of snow. It was really cold. And um, after our worship um, that evening and everyone had gone to bed, I had heard a, a rustling upstairs and people talking, socializing, and and all of that, and I couldn't sleep for some reason. I was tossing and turning. And all of a sudden, I just felt like if I continued to lay down, that I was going to die. I couldn't breathe. And I, my daughter was next to me, sleep, sound asleep. And I got up and I started pacing back and forth, trying to shake this feeling off. I'm like, I, what's going on? I didn't understand what was happening to me. I went to go get my jacket, put on my jacket. I went outside, I came back inside, I hung my jacket back and I was just walking back and forth and I decided to take my Bible, I knelt down and I said, oh, and I started just paging through my Bible I said, Lord, what's What's happening? What's happening? I don't know what, what, what's going on with me. Eventually, I found myself outside trying to get rid of this sensation of being suffocated. I found myself outside 2.30 in the morning, grabbing at snow, trying to relieve the sensation and to replace the sensation with feeling really cold and I'm just grabbing at the snow. And I'm panicking and I'm crying and I'm trying to, like, Lord, I don't want to die. What's going on? I grabbed my phone out of my pocket and I dialed a friend who was in Chicago, poor guy. I forgot the time difference. <laughs> and we had promised each other at that time, during that time, that we can call each other whenever we need prayer. And... 
He said when he heard the phone ring, he knew it was me. And on the phone, he's with me on the phone, and he's saying, Virna, look at your shoes. Are you wearing your shoes right now? I said, yeah, yeah, I am, I am, I am, I am. And he said, uh, thank God for your shoes. I said, thank you, Lord, for my shoes. And then he was walking me through this thankful prayer to God, but nothing was changing. Nothing was changing. And he started to pray for me. And when he started to pray for me, I didn't even hear his prayer. I didn't even hear his prayer. Held the phone. I looked up at the sky. And I don't know if any of you have been in Lake Tahoe at night, on a clear night, and you look up at the sky, you can see the stars, and it's almost as if you could grab the stars. I look up at the stars, and the next thing I hear is, Virna, I put the stars in the sky for you. And the next thing I know, I was just filled with peace. I was no more, I was no longer hyperventilating. I was, wasn't panicking. Then I hear my brother on the phone. In Jesus' name, amen. God revealed several things to me that evening. I went back inside, laid down next to my daughter, had my Bible in my, on my heart, just like this. Thank you, Lord. And I fell asleep. one of the worst things anyone can feel, I think, go through. I didn't know what was wrong with me. But it was then that I knew the Lord had a deeper work to do in me. Even after three years of being in ministry, doing Bible work, sharing Jesus with others, God revealed to me, Virna, there's more yet to be done. I was scared. The fear so overwhelming that it subconsciously took over my body and I had a panic attack. It was humbling. It was revealing that for so many years I held so much emotion from my brokenness, from the damage. But God told me that night, I'm with you. As I put the stars in the sky for you, Virna, I'm with you through this journey. And God is an amazing healer, brothers and sisters. Because it's like an onion. 
you know when you're when you're peeling the onion, you cut it in half and you take the first layer off and all the crunchy stuff comes off and then and then you got this real thin layer that comes off and then a kind of a thick layer, the first thick layer, I always take that one off. It's not good. It's kind of rubbery, you don't want to cook with that one. So <clears throat> but underneath that first thick layer, there's a real fine, thin film almost. Right? God is so gentle that when he reveals things to you, he does not reveal anything to you about yourself until you're ready. And he knows exactly how to peel that layer away without tearing it, without any destruction whatsoever. And this is how God has been leading in my life. There were many times where, growing up, I thought I could never forgive the person that violated me for three years, from the age of three to six. But when I was rebaptized, it was one of the things I had to do, and I felt I had to do out of obligation. And so I went to my uncle and I told him, I love you and I forgive you for all that has happened. Gave him a hug and walked away. There was not an inch in my body that wanted to do that. But as I walked away, I thank the Lord. As I did that out of obligation the next couple of years, I truly learned what forgiveness meant. And I was able to finally forgive him out of love. Out of love for his own salvation. You see, brothers and sisters, when we experience something in life so traumatizing and so painful and yet so damaging, often the first things that come to our mind, statistically they say the first thing that often is, that comes to our mind is, what did I do wrong? What did I do to deserve this? And maybe we could even take it further, yeah? We even ask God, Lord, why? Why is this happening to me? Why is this happening to my family? And often I realize my mother also was asking those questions when she learned of me coming out. Why? My mother even asked herself, what did I do wrong? We give ourselves way too much credit. 
our trials and tribulations, the persecutions, our own brokenness, brothers and sisters, is all for the purpose of God's glory and God's working in us. So after that night at Lake Tahoe, I continued to Bible work. I continued to to be in ministry. I tried to do lots of things. And one of the first things that God revealed to me was, you're doing too much, Virna. You're not spending time with me. It was then I started to have a real hunger for God's word. And you know, as many of you are in ministry, you know that sometimes we come across many disappointments. There are certain events that you cannot make, or certain speaking engagements that you cannot speak. This past year, as the GC session occurred, we were so excited. We had planned to be there. We had already purchased our booth at the GC session. I was so excited to see how our world church operates in this huge gathering, you know, to be in the midst of such a big family. And all along up to this time, leading up to this time, I'm not crying, I'm just kind of perspiring. Um, leading up to this time, I was learning so much about God. I was hungering more and more to really just sit with Him. The burdens of souls multiplied. I got more calls for counseling, answering more emails. And all the team members of By Beholding His Love took a little hiatus. They took a little break. But the souls who needed healing, the souls looking for help, did not stop. I often ask, my, ask the Lord, Lord, I, why? Why are you bringing these people to me? I'm not in any space to minister. I don't know how to do this. I, I'm not even finished with school yet. I don't know what I'm doing. Oh, don't worry. <laughs> that was before. <laughs> um... And God reminded me of the vow that me and my sister took in 2010 when he called us to ministry. We said, Lord, make this ministry about the souls who need you. Help us to reach each soul one at a time, Lord. Doesn't matter where we go, where, our where you take our ministry, what stage we stand on, where we speak. Lord, make this about the souls that need you.
I'm reminded of a story. If you can turn with me to the book of Mark. Before I begin there, I wanted to share with you why we couldn't go to GC session. See, it was last year, around last October, or last summer actually, I've been going through some health issues. I got bit in the leg by some spider or bug, and I was in the hospital twice last summer because the infection wouldn't go away. I started, I started to try juicing and eating better and walking, but walking was really painful. They had put me on so much antibiotics um, that took a while to cleanse out. And uh, the doctor ordered a CT scan. And uh, of the, my ab abdominal area. And that CT scan was taken on a Friday, a Thursday. And Monday afternoon, I get a call from my primary doctor. Um, and she says to me, Verna, we found something in your lungs. and I'm going to refer you to a pulmonologist. I'm like, what you find in my lungs? She goes, we found two nodules. One is quite of huge size. Nodules meaning spots. And you know when you get that phone call and the earth just stops spinning? and everything goes into slow motion. And my immediate response was a paralyzed, okay. And as I put down the phone, I was, I was in shock, I was stunned. I said, Lord, Ooh, what do I do with this? Immediately I prayed, Lord, I don't want to panic. I want to give this to you. This is all on you. You got this. I text a friend, very close friend of mine, said I need prayer right now. Just got a phone call. This is what they found. And so, the following appointment with a pulmonologist, he ended up ordering a PET scan, full body PET scan. To make this a little shorter, they basically discovered several lymph nodes in my chest area swollen and inflamed, indicative of lung cancer.
my mind said, well, yeah, it is, because the next thing the doctor asked me as we were looking at the film, he says, Are you, were you a smoker? Are you a smoker right now? And I said, no, but I was. He goes, how much did you smoke? I said, I smoked two packs a day for 20 years. And I remember, as I was t saying that, I remember God said in my mind, but Fiona, remember, I took it away from you in one day. So I, was felt, I felt encouraged. Yet at the same time, I, I fell into worry. I suddenly thought, what about my daughter? And I said, well, doctor, what stage do you think it would be? I mean, I'm, I don't have any symptoms. I'm not coughing. I'm not, you know. And he says, well, this would be stage three. And it's, it's most likely lung cancer. Uh, I'm thinking it might be this other condition, but because of your smoking history. So as the test showed, and as the doctors confirmed, they were sure that I had stage three lung cancer. They go in and do the biopsy, but before this biopsy happened, I had a couple of things that I had to take to the Lord. And I prayed, and I started to juice religiously. There was one night I was sleeping, and I woke up in the middle of the night with that panicky feeling and a pain in my chest, and it scared me. And I grabbed my Bible, and I started thumbing through it, reading promises and psalms, and and a question occurred in my mind. I said, wow, how would it feel to know nothing? The dead know nothing. I'll be non-existent. My mind went to this finality of death. And I began to cry. And my cry began to be wails to God, Lord, heal me. If you're willing, heal me. And I was drawn to Psalms 33, verse 4. Psalms 33, verse 4. Sorry, wrong one. Not that one. 63, verse 4. Verse 3. Sorry. Psalm 63, verse 3. Because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. 
Lord, your loving kindness is better than life. So I will praise you. I will praise you. I won't ask, for you know what's best for me. I will praise you. Praise them in the morning. Praise them throughout the day. And I praise them in the evening, never asking for a thing. Had the biopsy done. Two biopsies were done. My sister was with me. I had a prayer chain going on. Didn't tell my parents until I knew more information. And I tell you, brothers and sisters, God is a God of miracles. When they did the biopsy, they found no cancer cell. They were puzzled. The doctors were bewildered. They could not find one cancer cell. Lord, your loving kindness is better than life. I will praise you. I will praise you. How often, brothers and sisters, victory, when we ask God for victory from our sins, the motives, the motives that we have when we ask God, why? Why do we want to be in heaven? Why do we want to have victory over sin? Why do we want to be good Christians? Why? I asked this question in the first morning. Why do you want victory? You know, even in our Christian walk, we can still walk so selfishly. I want to be like Jesus. I want to be good. I want to treat people good. I want to share the gospel with people. I want to do this. I want to be in ministry. I want to be a Bible worker. I. Whereas God is just looking for a people that want to be in heaven to worship him, to praise him for just who he is. I'm not saying that these things are bad. These are good aspirations to have. These goals, these wants, these desires to be a good Christian. We must examine. No, I take that back. We must have God examine our motives. Do we want to just simply worship our creator? The God that has put stars in the sky for you. Not for what he can do for you. Not just for that. Where do we find this appreciation for God? A simplicity in just appreciating who he is not only for what he can do for you, what he can give you, where he can take you, but simply to appreciate his loving kindness. 
In Mark 5, I'm not going to go through every detail. I don't see a timer. There you go. Does everyone want to have breakfast? And what a joy it is, brothers and sisters, what a joy it is to be able to share the gospel, the simplicity of the gospel with others that have no idea, and to be able to see that joy and that glitter in others' eyes. To experience that joy with others. To see one more soul to be able to worship God. Not to make them vegan. Not to tell them that they need to go to bed at, before 10. Not to tell them that they need to go to Andrews or PUC or... Not to tell them to stop wearing their jewelry. Not to tell them all these things but to share with them simply who God is and how they can worship Him. Because all these other things, all these other things will just follow suit, you see. Will just, will just happen. In Mark 5, you know the story already. In Mark 5, it records just one demoniac. In the, other, in, the, in the other books of the Bible, they talk about two. But this one is about one, one demoniac. He was continually bound. Just follow with me. I'm not going to read by verdom each, all the verses, but just follow the story with me. This demoniac was chained, was bound. He was often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him. I'm in verse 4. The fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. I'm going to break it down with, for you really simply here. This community, this city, was tortured by this man. They feared this man. They often bound him in chains. Didn't work. Sometimes we use methods of sharing the gospel, brothers and sisters, and it doesn't work. He often cut himself, crying, running around night and day, torturing the city. And imagine the people who lived in the city, that's all they could talk about. Right? That's all they can talk about. Jesus arrived there and met this man. And when this man saw Jesus, This man, filled with the demons, fell and worshipped Jesus. 
he recognized immediately who Jesus was. And he cried with a loud voice, What am I to do with you, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High, God? Don't torment me. He immediately perceived that Jesus was going to torment him. How funny our perceptions take shape. We perceive immediately torment and torture from God. That was a misperception, don't you think? And Jesus, what do you do when you meet somebody new? Hi, I'm Virna, what's your name? Jesus asked this demon-possessed man, what's your name? Jesus, with the most utter respect and countenance and holiness, rendered respect to this demon-possessed man. How often it is that we don't, it's, we find it difficult to respect others who believe differently from us. How often it is hard for us to respect people who may have a different opinion. And the demon answered, Legion, for we are many. Imagine Jesus' heartbreak hearing this. He knew who he was talking to. Jesus knew who he was talking to. He was with these angels once before. He lived with these angels once before. For the demon-possessed man said, My name is Legion, for we are many. Jesus once knew who they were. And he casts the demons out of this man and into the swine, destroying the people's money-making business. And people wondered what was going on. People saw what happened to this demon-possessed man. Once screaming and tormenting the city, now sitting quietly, clothed, sitting, clothed in his right mind. And when he was in that count, when he was in that state, when he was sitting, clothed in his right mind, then they were afraid. Strange. Strange reaction. And it goes on to say that the people told Jesus to leave. People said, you need to leave. They could not see the goodness that Jesus had done for them in that whole community. 
for this man. They had lost all compassion for this man. They didn't care that he was well now. They just wanted Jesus to leave. You know why? Because now the spectacle of the whole city has been cured. What's going to stick out now? Their little, into, their little things is going to be taken notice of, right? These people were afraid because now the spotlight is on them. And this man goes to Jesus and says, Jesus, please let me go with you. Um, can I go in the boat with you? I, I just want to be with you. And Jesus stops him. Jesus says, no. No. Go back to your friends. And the guy's probably like, friends? Lord, I've been torturing these people all this time. They hate me. They're going to kill me. They're not my friends. I don't have any friends. Jesus says, go back to your friends. Because you know what? There's something here you can do I can no longer do. I've given you something. I've left me with you. Go to your friends and share what God has done for you. What has God done for you, brothers and sisters? What miracles has God worked out in your life? They don't have to be huge miracles. What miracles have God done in your life that you could share? I'm going to close with this verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. When we come down this hill, this is our mission, brothers and sisters. Blessed be God, I'm in verse 3, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Say amen if you're there. Amen. Verse 3, blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble, by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. As you have been comforted by God, and as you extend comfort, compassion, love, you are sharing the very comfort that you received from God with others. No matter where you are, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, and whatever struggles that you are going through right now, God has a purpose for you. And remember, his loving kindness is better than life. 
Let's praise our Creator for just who He is. Not for what we can do, what we can become, what we want, but just for who He is. Let us bow our heads. Dear Father in heaven, Lord, I thank you. And as each one of us here has their head bowed, Lord, I want to ask for those, if you maybe have misseen or you haven't seen God's hand in your life, And you want to give him permission today to be God, to be God in your life and to experience his loving kindness. Raise your hand with heads bowed. Raise your hand. Father, I know you say to us, we don't receive because we don't ask. And asking you of anything is not a bad thing. But help us, Lord, to remember every day that we can just praise you. We could just be thankful for who you are. You're our comforter, our Prince of Peace, our Savior our Redeemer, and our friend. Father, help us now as we go down this hill that the comfort that we experience from you, Lord, as this demoniac did, Father, that we will share with our friends at the bottom of this hill. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for just who you are our Creator, our God, our Father. It's in your Son's most precious name I pray. Let everyone say, Amen. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www dot audioverse dot org